Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very special guest. I've known this man since I was 18 years old. You may know him from bands such as Warzone, Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, Moondog, Quicksand, Civ, World's Fastest Car, Rival Schools, Walking Concert, Dead Heavens, and Vanishing Line. Jesus Christmas. Um, I know. That's a pretty sick resume. Welcome to the podcast, Walter Schreifels. Hey, Toby, man. It's great to be to be uh, doing the cast with you. I'm really stoked. I'm stoked you're on here. Um, also, you, you also have a solo record, too. Um, open Letter to the Scene. That was amazing, too. We'll get into that after. But um, So basically, with my podcast, I'm interviewing people who inspire me, people who have been part of my life. Um, and some of the first people I met when I moved to New York, were, were you were one of them. Um, but for people that don't really know much about you, obviously, just a little background on you is that um, you were born in you were born in Queens or born in just were you born in Manhattan? Uh, I was born in Queens in Rockaway Beach. Awesome. And then, yeah. how, how are you? I know you have. I know you have a brother. Do you have a sister too, or just one just one family member? No, just my brother. He's uh, he's a couple years younger than me, or almost three years. And then, how was how was school for you? Like, how did you do in school? Did you like school? Did you get good grades? Did you graduate? Um, I think I kind of did good enough to uh, be in the kind of smart classes, but was the dumb kid in the smart class. <laughs> did you... Um... I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, I was... I guess, you know, it's the, it's the thing where I had fun and some classes, depending on the teacher, I would be interested in it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I had trouble too because, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really a great student. So, but you graduated though, right? I graduated high school and uh, did some college, but uh, you know the the musical co- career kind of beckoned to me, so I, I decided to roll the dice on that. You know, so uh, you know, but I went back a couple times for college. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in in you know, and I, I'm definitely always interested in different stuff and kind of researching stuff on my own. And uh, yeah, but you know, I guess generally I enjoyed school for the friendships and. Um, you know, occasionally I'd learn something, I suppose. <laughs> um, did you have, did you have like any, when you were in school, did you have any like goals or stuff you wanted to do? Or is that be, like before you found music? Uh, well, certainly I, I wanted to go to college. You know, yeah. I, my, both my parents uh, went to college. And uh, so to me, that was something, you know, the, that you had to do. You, you go to school, yeah. you go to college, and then you get out of college and you get a job and then you get, then you just do it all over again. So it, to me, that was that was the plan until you know, this, till music, till like started to intercede, and and then, and I, I even really still intended to go back to college, but uh, you know, just it, it it that just wasn't. Right, I think he's cut out. I just lost you. Yeah. you oh, there. sorry about that. Can can you hear me now? Yeah, can, can you hear me now? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. So, all right, I'll, I'll hang out over here. So, what was like your first exposure to music? Then was it in high school? Uh, well, as a kid, you know, you kind of go through your parents' record collection, and yeah. um, and so my parents grew up in the in the sixties and you know early seventies. So you know, there's a lot of like Pat Stevens and uh, Bob Dylan, and you know, uh, my dad was a surfer, so I, I was into the Beach Boys, and awesome. I discovered the Beatles one day. Uh, at my friend's house and uh um when uh yellow submarine was on tv and that really just blew my mind and so i was a beatles fan at a young age and uh you know and from there it became i, I guess pretty much like anybody else but I, I maybe was into it more than most people somehow yeah and then when did you start playing like 
were you were playing instruments when we start playing like guitar and stuff how old were you i started playing guitar uh when i was probably about 12 wow. and my dad got me a guitar he was on some uh he was on a trip in Turkey and he bought some guitar. It was amazing that he brought it back from Turkey. It wasn't yeah. like a nice guitar or anything. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I got that guitar and I didn't have any lessons. So probably for a good year, I would just make up songs based on whatever the guitar happened to be in tune to. Mm. And, uh, and then, and eventually I got some lessons, but uh, you know, I had that creative urge to where I didn't even really need to know how to like officially play to, uh, to enjoy and kind of like uh, play into the idea of of, uh, of making up songs and yeah. you know being in a band, etc. Yeah. So what? So when when was your like first exposure to to punk rock music? Punk rock. The, the first, uh, I, my brother took me. Not my brother. My uh, cousin, older cousin, took me out to a double feature and uh, to see the kids are all right by the who that mm -hmm. you know that movie yeah. that they did. And the, the other movie was uh, Rock and Roll High School, and nice. he had no idea what that was, and I had no idea what it was. And the kids, the kids are all right. Was you know still like amazing movie, but Rock and Roll High School just seemed to me like I wanted to be in that world. That mm -hmm. was, I mean, I would have been psyched to be in the the Who world too, but yeah. um, you know this this idea of like these four guys and the leather jackets and this whole wild scene you know, really made an impression on me. So I got the role, the, the soundtrack album to rock and roll high school. And, um, you know, really the Ramones kind of brought me into it. And before you yeah. knew it, I had candid dead, uh, sorry, dead Kennedys and sex pistols. And I was kind of on my way pretty quickly with it all. So, um, and then, so did you have friends? Like, did you have friends at that age who were into the punk music too? Or was that something later on? Uh, sort of, you know, it was, it, I was very young, so it was, and it was, it was hard to get records at that time. Yeah. So, you know, one person would have a Ramones record, you know, like mm -hmm. a friend of mine had a road, road to ruin and we would just listen, I'd go to his house to listen to it. And, um, and so, you know, it wasn't too many people. I had one friend in, this is in Rockaway beach, which is, you know, kind of, it's in New York city, but it's like on the farthest reaches yeah. of, of the city. Uh, I had one friend that went to see dead Kennedys and, you know, I was really young, so I couldn't really go to the city, you know, unless, you know, my parents didn't know, but, um, yeah. I didn't really have much, much exposure to the actual happenings. I was just like doing my best with the records that I could, you know, tape or, or find. And, uh, there was a hardcore radio show in, uh, in Long Island that I could pick up in Rockaway called, uh, the midnight riot. Nice. And they would play New York, they would play New York hardcore seven inches. So I, I remember one of the first times I heard it. Uh, one of the first songs I heard from like New York hardcore was uh, was uh, Urban Waste. Um, uh, what is it called? What is it? Uh, I'm not into punk rock. I'm not into hard. Uh, anyway, that one. So I was into those dudes, Beastie Boys. Yeah, and um, and uh, you know, so it just all sounded so crazy to me, you know, because it took it to the next level, you know, yeah. from like the Ramones to Urban Waste is like, you know, a, <laughs> Two it's like worlds, stepping yeah. back in time. It, yeah. yeah, it's different worlds. Yeah. Um. So, um, what what grade was that? What, were you still in? Obviously, you're still in school when you listened to that music. Um, I would have been in probably like eighth, seventh, eighth grade, something wow. like that. Yeah. Junior junior high. 
So when when was the when, when did you join your first band? Was that was that out of school? After you graduated? Well, that was in around the same time. Uh, I started a band with my, you know, I got some uh, guitar lessons. Uh, uh, me and a couple of friends, and one of the guys, we uh, we kind of hit it off and made a band called the Rodents, and we had Sick. like punk kind of punk kind of songs, and uh, and you know, with doing doing the best we could with you know what we had and. Uh, yeah, it was cool. We never really played any shows. We played like a talent. We played the school talent show, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And, uh, and, and a party, you know, that was pretty cool. And, uh, and that was pretty much it for, for that band. And, uh, and I actually moved away that year. And, uh, and when I came back, I moved to Astoria. Um, and that's where I met like all the kind of people in crowd and token entry and all that. And that just kind of got me in really. Where did you, uh, where'd you move away to? Uh, I lived with my dad in Ohio for a year. My dad was, uh, oh, wow. yeah, his job was in Toledo, Ohio. So I had a really amazing year in Toledo, Ohio, which I, I totally loved and, and had such a cool time. Like, being the new york city kid yeah in the midwest it was it was kind of like a footloose experience it was it was pretty awesome yeah uh but i i was i was having too much fun so i was like failing all this all my classes and Damn. you know i know you have i know you have a lot of you know students probably listening to your to your podcast <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> you know you maybe i don't know but um maybe. you know I, I in that regard <laughs> like i i probably uh it worked out for me but i i probably um should have done better but uh but anyway yeah, got me back to new york and that's really like got me on my path which was which is the way it was meant to be yeah so you're back in new york and what grade are you in now you are you a senior there or are you already out uh i guess i was a when i came back to new york i was a junior oh okay wow and so you meet all the guys at token entry you meet the guys in the story of queens yeah and then start hanging yep. out with them and you start probably you start probably going to shows around that time in the city Yes. And, uh, you know, when I first moved back, I had no friends. So, uh, Damn. because I didn't know anybody in Astoria. So that yeah. was really rough. Uh, and I spent the summer with no friends Damn. and, uh, that, that was pretty hard, you know, at, at that point. And, um, especially that age, but yeah. I got a job at, uh, at Wallbaums, which is the kind of like kind of old school New York, like generic supermarket. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it would be, it'd be like the Ralph's or Vons or something <laughs> yeah, of, of yeah. New York. Yeah. And um and that's where I met Arthur Smilios, who's oh, uh in, in Gorilla Biscuits and he knew the uh the Kraut guys and the token entry guys and he invited me out and that I kind of found my, my click, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so how soon after that, I mean the first band did you play were you playing in Warzone or Youth of Today before Gorilla Biscuits? Or was that around the same time? Uh Gorilla Biscuits Gorilla Biscuits I started and for a while, like it was just me. I don't know. I was doing it as a three piece and it was kind of like a descendancy kind of thing. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, it was kind of like more poppy and punky and, uh, and, and doing like this. I remember doing silly girl by descendants. That's awesome. But what I realized is for, the more going to like see these matinees is like, you needed a, you needed a front man to do that job. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And because I was one of the only dudes that knew how to play guitar, obviously, I didn't want to be the, you know, I was going to stick with guitar and uh, Ernie from Token Entry suggested, you know, me and Siv had just become friends. Yeah. And uh, actually Ernie suggested, why don't you just get Siv to sing? And so I asked Siv and he, you know, amazingly agreed. 
That's awesome. And was he doing music too at the time yeah. or no? No, he wasn't at all. That's why it was wow. so cool. It was like That's he crazy. was he was just like it was just like asking someone. Like there was no like audition or like <laughs> this didn't have what it takes or anything like that. It was nothing yeah. like Siv's cool. You want to have a cool guy singing for your band. And you know, <laughs> me and Siv were like that that was like right kind of like when you know, when you when you're that age, it's like pretty huge when you meet people that totally. you connect with like that. Totally. And uh and so me and Siv really had that like cool connection at that time. And then the band thing just kind of followed from that. And, uh, and, you know, we weren't like, you know, we weren't like on the inside of the scene really. Like we knew people like in token entry and, yeah. you know, the crack guys weren't really even really hanging out that much anyway. And, uh, so we were just kind of like in our little outskirts kind of, you know, playing like a party. We played, uh, James Newberry's birthday party was our oh, first wow. show. Uh, wow. Yeah, so uh, you know that was kind of our thing, and uh, but it was it was fun, and we had our squad. Yeah, did the Queens kind of have its own kind of scene back then, or it sounds like it? Yeah, you know, yeah, we did. You know, yeah. I, I mean, getting a show at Phoebe's was the absolute goal. Like okay. that's what you wanted. That was the end all, be all. Like to get a CB show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you'd call them every week, and they would never. You know, there was no way you'd call them every week, and they would just be like, "Yeah, okay, we'll put your name down," and then you never get a gig. Damn. Uh, and so you would just be out in Queens, you know, trying to figure it out, having fun to try to make your own thing happen. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, but life's probably like that in most places until you finally get that sort of connection. And for us, it was token entry. We're cool enough to like let us open one of those shows. Oh and, wow! Uh, and, and that was really, you know, I. I could barely sleep the night before it was amazing <laughs> um was that would that be an 80 was that like 87 or something or 80, even earlier maybe right it would have been 87 or maybe 86 yeah. uh it was the, I, it was warm weather i remember that was this were you excited and, and scared to play were you nervous to play there for the first time oh yeah you totally man totally i mean it was the the uh the element of just like you know putting your band up there and also knowing we weren't like we were not, you know, I, I thought we were like pretty good. We could play our songs from the beginning to the end, but I didn't think we were like that awesome or anything. And yeah. just to kind of put yourself, put yourself out there and to be, uh, you know, and it seems it's pretty clear if people like you or they don't. Totally. You know, it's like, uh, so yeah, I was very nervous, but at the same time, it's probably like anything in life that is uh, new and you know that you want to do like that is completely exhilarating and and also you know cbgb's was cbgb's then you know what i mean like you know people it it wasn't it wasn't like some unknown club like it it was well known to me as like an amazing you know holy place almost yeah so it's and and so grilled biscuits had they have lots of melody too and and you mentioned descendants earlier but like what were your influences for starting Gorilla Biscuits like what were you listening to then obviously Token Entry and the local bands but um, you listen to everything I guess huh because it's such a good mix yeah I mean I definitely thank you Um, yeah I mean I was listening to while I had gotten into hardcore and pretty much delved into that really hard you know before that I was listening to uh, new wave, you know, or yeah. like punkier stuff, like yeah. Buzzcocks or the Smiths, uh, awesome. uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, and I like the popular punk stuff in in the form of Descendants or yeah. Channel Three, like West Coast stuff. Adolescence was a yeah. big one. Yeah. So these are bands with melody and um, seven seconds. I think that that all kind of seven seconds for sure. Um, I think those kind of things fell into our influences, and you know when. Um, 
youth today and, uh, you know, straight ahead and some of the, and, and even sick of it all who were starting around the same time as us, uh, yeah. you know, came, you know, came into the, for, the forefront to that. It definitely had a big influence. Obviously agnostic front w- was the real game changer for me, but, yeah. um, you know, so kind of funneling that kind of maybe poppy song sense in through the filter of, you know, AF and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the other influences that I mentioned. Yeah. Cause I feel like there was no, probably nothing back then that had that, that type of kind of melody to it. I mean, I'm not sure about the earlier Girl of Biscuit stuff, but obviously, I mean, it was, it was hard, but it still had like melody and, and lyrics too. It was definitely a different vibe than what was going on in New York for sure. That's why I think it's, that's why I think it, it stood out too, you know? Um, uh, thank you. Yeah. I think we were also had like a sense of humor about us. I mean, I think yeah. that, like sick of it all had a sense of humor too. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe ours was like, especially earlier on. Like, I mean, just the name of our band is just kind of <laughs> totally silly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and we, and we had our doubts about that as time went by, like shit, dude, did we just, did we just screw ourselves with this crazy name? You know, how is anyone going to think we're, we're tough in any way, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, in, in the end it, it Obviously, I'm totally happy that we we stuck, stuck with it. Who came? Did you, did you come up with the name? It was a Siv was in a conversation. I mean, I don't want to out Siv, but he had more experience in the in the drug world of junior high school than I did. Gotcha. And he was talking about he was talking about different drugs that he had either taken or knew about or you know what I I, I don't remember the context of it, but yeah. he was talking about drugs and he mentioned a gorilla biscuit. Wow! It's just like kind of in, 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 as among <laughs> you know, lemon seventeens, goofballs, gorilla biscuits, and I said, "What did you just say?" And he said, "Gorilla biscuits." It's uh, you know, this, and I said, "That is the name of our band," and so that was it. Wow, and, uh, dude! Yeah, it was cool. So it just kind of came out like that, and it's amazing that Siv was just so cool about it and was like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds good." Yeah, and just went with we, it. We just agreed, agreed on it right away, you know. So that was kind of dope. The same way, like you want you want to sing in my band. He's like, yeah, sure, no worry about it. It just seems like everything happened was, like naturally. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was like we were just on the same, you know, we were on the same uh, wavelength, yeah. and you know, and, and that's that's when something special is happening, you know, because basically you can't lose. You're, you're already having fun. So whether it becomes successful or not, it's successful in in, in the actual doing of it. Yeah, and you can see that even now, like this many years later, when you guys play together, just the friendship—it's so real through all these years. And you can, you can, you can tell when bands are on stage going through the motions and not just there for doing it because whatever that's their job they want to do. But you can tell you guys—it's actually never took you guys self too seriously. Loved each other, always making jokes, always smiling. You can, you can feel that energy to this day, which is pretty amazing, man. It's special, you know. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks, Toby. I mean, I feel like when we play, it's so. Sp- you know, I'm just so grateful for it. And, yeah. uh, so it's, it's really behooves us to enjoy ourselves and to, uh, and to do our part. I mean, everybody in the, in the audience is like risking life and limb, you know, screaming, totally. stage diving, you know, these people <laughs> like are really, who is it for us to like, take it, take it, take it easy. Like, yeah. it's not like that. So, you know, and, and you know, the whole experience just kind of propels, uh, Somehow it just propels a, a, you know, a sort of joyous feeling that is just awesome and contagious. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so then the first seven inch comes out, and then uh-huh. you guys had built the name for yourself before that seven inch came out, the first one. And then did you feel like you guys becoming bigger at that point for the first, you know, the revelation one? 
Um, uh, well, I guess, you know, I felt like we had kind of gotten lucky. I mean, I, our demo tape, I think, you know, when, when I think of like the classic demos, I thought yeah. like the dolls was amazing. Uh, you know, I thought people love the YDL demo. It wasn't right. my taste exactly, but, but I could tell that it was like, there, it was just tight. It was recorded well. It was on point. You know, there were other demos. Yeah. Raw Deal's demo was just ill and on point yeah i think that we maybe started to get a break when we got on the revelation compilation and that's right, uh that's right. i think we that we did the uh we did better than you and that just that just somehow came you know came together good so we had like one really good song <laughs> yeah and uh and then we were kind of playing catch up from there and um but when the seven inch came out i think we had built enough kind of cred you know i mean you look at the old shows yeah, we totally. weren't like headlining them we we were low on the bill and uh so but when the seven inch came out i I was very confident in it you know i thought i i knew like everything about it was to my taste like spot on you know and I, yeah. this is when i was i couldn't have been more into hardcore music and the hardcore scene so it's like if someone's stuff was good i i would recognize it and if it wasn't i'd be like not in you know i would also recognize that and i just thought yeah this shit's good if people don't like it then i'm i'd be surprised you know <laughs> but so yeah you know it worked yeah. out that it, that they did yeah so after that the seven inch and then um did you guys start getting a fan base when did you realize like holy shit people love this band and now we're playing these shows and we have a following and it's like was it not too long after that yeah. Uh, I guess when we first, going back to that seven inch, just playing a show, I think we played in Connecticut and everybody singing along and, and everyone just, you know, knowing that the words to that one song and, you know, just kind of infected the rest of our set too. And, uh, you know, just kind of felt like we were on the right path. And then when that seven inch came out, then we were in just a totally different league, you know, and it was just everyone knows the words and they're singing back at you. Then you know that you're doing something cool. So it was like that. Did you, did you, when you were that young and making, making that, obviously the demo and the seven inch and then playing music, did you realize at that point you wanted to be a musician? You feel like for your, he's like, I want to do this. Did you feel like I want to do this forever? No, for sure not. I mean, it was just, it was just like a cool, I mean, to me that it's hard to, I mean, me, I don't know. To me like that, I was interested in a lot of different music and a lot of different kinds of of things but to me the hardcore scene at cbgb's at that time was the coolest thing that you could be into and uh and i i just felt like lucky that i was somehow participating on this on this level Mm -hmm. and uh you know I, i wasn't one of the old school guys i wasn't like you know um yeah, it wasn't like some star in it, it, it by any means, but yeah. I, I was like in the in the game, you know. So I was just happy with that. But I didn't see it as a career because the music sounds, you know, part of the reason I liked hardcore is because it just sounded so terrible to people, <laughs> yeah. and there was no way that it was ever going to be popular. Yeah, yeah. So totally. like that was just kind of built. It was kind of baked into the into the cake of, of hardcore. So I I didn't see it as like career in any way. Yeah. And then how long? How long in between the seven inch until the record came out? Because then it came out in eighty eight. Um, I guess it would have been a year and a half, you know, but I, or maybe less. I don't know. It's like that that time where just time kind of takes longer. But yeah. it, it it might have might have been a year, might have been a year and a half. Yeah, probably seemed like forever. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, start today is. I mean, I I put you, you and Tim Armstrong as my top 
songwriters in the hardcore punk world and that record is incredible i'm I'm lucky i got to live the guys then and sing backups on it and be part of that 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 time like that record just and when you and you guys are making that record you don't think oh we're going to change the world with this record we're just making a record with my friends this, this is like our first album you know when you're in in it oh, you, yeah. you, you don't think about it and then you realize the impact i have on people way later it's just it's a masterpiece and i mean i think it's i don't know i think your writing is incredible and i think um I don't know. I just it had a major impact on a lot of people. I'm sure you know that already. I'm just fucking saying that, but you know, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, we were just trying to make the best record we could make, you know, and, yeah. and the cool thing about that, about that time was we had so many great peers to, uh, be inspired by True. slash rip off. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, listening to like going to CBGB's every weekend, it was like a study, in excellence. I mean, there was yeah. just so many great bands to like totally. be inspired by to be, to, to try to compete with. I mean, if you were going to play with like band like sick of it all, who were, you know, again, like formed right around the same time of us, I always felt we were trying to play catch up to what they were doing gotcha. in terms of like moving, moving a crowd or like I yeah. got to be in use of today. So I was like crazy. studying what, what made you today tick, you know, how Ray was able to write these inspirational, you know, anthemic, uh, you know, lyrics that would, would change people's lives. And so I, I was, I was studying all that stuff and, you know, with, with Siv and, and with the band, like coming, you know, trying to channel that energy in a way that would be unique to us. And, uh, and, you know, time has, time has, I mean, I thought I knew the album, you know, I hope doesn't sound in a cocky way, but I, I thought we really did a great job, but it's really only time that has told like that it that it still continues to inspire people and that's just like i don't know you've done you've done that with with records yourself you don't you don't you can't really yeah. aim for that it just kind of happens or it doesn't you yeah. just try to do the best the best you can with you know and, totally. and you get sometimes it all comes together yeah where was that where was that recorded where, where was that in queens What's that was uh, Don Fury Studio, That's which right. is in uh, Soho That's in, right. uh, in 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 Lower Manhattan. Yeah. And uh, at that time, it, Soho was like that part. Well, actually, was considered Little Italy. Now it's probably yeah. I guess it's still now it's no Lita, but uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of still a little dicey over there. But uh, totally. You know, we had originally tried to record it at Chung King Studios because Public Enemy had recorded there and Sick. Beastie Boys and all these bands, but yeah. but it sounded just it wasn't coming out good. So we went back to uh, to Don's, and uh, you know, we just we're a bunch of kids, and we just made this this. Uh, it, it was cool. The path was pretty direct and and, yeah. and always fun, actually. And then the, and the original version that you sang on, it was that you just recording stuff just to get the melodies and just to get the kind of song structures like. I had uh, we had been working on the record and we had all the music done, but the the lyrics and you know I, I was still kind of working on that and uh, and then I had a Youth of Today tour that was going to uh, happen in uh, the kind of right when we needed to do the vocals. So Shit. I did a uh, I took all the lyrics and I, I sang them the way that I thought they should go and uh, made a tape. And, you know, gave it to Siv and, and they did some vocals, him and Don did some vocals. Uh, and then when I came back to New York, I wasn't happy with it. Um, now, you know, it would have just, it's an alternate version of the album, totally. but to me, maybe cause I wasn't, maybe cause I wasn't there, you know, um, I, I just wasn't satisfied with it. And, uh, you know, Siv and Don were cool enough to like 
give it give it all another shot and you probably in that time i probably tightened up more that more of the lyrics and and uh you know i think you know i think that's probably why it just came out good we just worked hard on it yeah i mean that that came out it was like such a game changer i just just the energy around that time and being in new york and just being part of just being friends with all you guys and just just the energy and like i don't know it's just it was just an amazing time you know and um the response to that too you know like Cause it was it, like it had like even like start today didn't 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 did it. It's like not real. It's not a a typical New York hardcore sound. That's why I loved it. It was just these other elements. Obviously, you listen to other other types of music. I mean, I'll never forget in the GB house when you brought home um, a Sugar Cubes album and the Meet Is Murder album. I never heard of any of those bands. And you were playing records in your room. And I remember you being the first person to kind of like, oh shit. These guys listen to other types of music besides hardcore. I was listening to hip hop at the time, obviously, but just like the Smiths and Sugar Cubes and the stuff you listen to, um, yeah. they, they really stuck with me as being as being an open minded kid. Like if these guys are into this type of music, then I can check out other types of music. So I, I appreciate that. It really stuck with me when I was eighteen years old. You know, like just seeing you bring this other music home it was awesome. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just always, I have very, you know, when you're talking about my resume, I have just like super Dude, diverse crazy. interests and d- diverse trait uh, taste. So uh, even at that time, but, you know, it was cool to have this, the context of, you know, the time in New York and and the way that this scene had just, you know, uh, crystallized yeah. uh, at that time was just really magic. And I think the energy in that album, you know, besides the songs, besides the, you know, all, all those kind of things that we had some sort of control on. It, it, it was really just the energy of, of the time is also just really, you know, in, in it, I think. And yeah. I, I think that's a, the, that's the special ingredient really. hundred percent. And then, so that comes out, I don't, I don't know how many tours you guys did on that. I know you guys went to Europe. Um, did you guys start touring the most you've ever toured in your life from that record as what you've done in the past? Uh, we didn't really tour on it quite very much at all, to be honest. You know, it, we were supposed to, we had a, uh, a summer tour uh, where the record was supposed to have been released, but they, you know, we, again, the record labels run by kids. You know, I think Jordan yeah. was probably like 22 years old. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't these hard dates. And uh, so the record didn't come out, I think, until like maybe the last day of our U.S. tour, maybe like oh, two days before. And I, I can remember, I think it was in Buffalo, it was the first time we played where people had the album actually. And it was just massively different, you know? Uh And, uh, but we didn't tour again. Um, I think we toured in Europe once and, you know, we play, you know, here shows, shows here and there. We probably fought to California a few times or maybe, maybe, you know, around the Northeast, probably a couple of times, but, uh, you know, we didn't really, uh, tour the United States on, on start today properly, you know, at least not, not anywhere outside of the coast. And, um, yeah. And when we, by the time we went to Europe, Arthur had already left the band. So we didn't have the original group oh, anymore, actually. So, you know, I mean, the tour was amazing and yeah. it, it was, it was, um, Mark Hayworth, uh, who was in hard stance helmet. Yeah. Filled in for Arthur and he, he was wonderful. Uh, but you know, it was like hardcore. If you look at the bands from that time, uh, you know, and I think H2O would be like a real big exception, actually, where, you know, the shelf life of hardcore bands is usually an EP and an album. Mm-hmm. That's usually what you got <laughs> out of most of these bands. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I think for us, or at least from my point of view, you know, we had we had run it, you know, gotcha. and and, uh, and and maybe it was time to, you know, go to college or, 
do these different kind of things or, you know, those kind of different, you're a very different person between when you're 16 and when you're, you know, even 20 or 21, you know, you have different freedoms and different uh, perspectives. Yeah. I mean, you can see that on the, on the lineup in the, um, live and live and NYC that VHS did, uh, relativity did and the lineup was like in 91 that was right before like moon dog right before civ started it was such yeah. a different lineup in that on that show yeah you know everything was changing you yeah. know and so it was uh you know within within our friend group and within our yeah. uh within our you know everybody's interests you know everyone's kind of started to do their own thing you know so the lyrics are the lyrics of like, what are we going to do? How are we going to, let's all do this. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes more about what am I going to do? What, yeah. What's my thing? You yeah. know? And I think that was just happening to, to all of us. So I think, you know, we played it when the album came out, it was awesome. And we, we knew that we had done a great job and people loved it. And we had so much fun doing it, yeah. but you know, it didn't really last that long beyond that, you know? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think, I think that's, you know looking back it's it's absolutely fine yeah it's just just it's just a crazy like how that one record has stand stand like standing the test of time like how much how you guys still play now and have incredible shows people love it so much still care about it had such a big impact and back then that was like obviously before the internet before anything it was just this record that people throughout these 20 30 years have still bought this record and connected to it it's it's pretty fucking amazing man and and so much uh, love know, it. and like so much stuff you part of like even when, with youth of today and no more video and what you guys were singing about back then how how the how the the earth and everything's changed so drastically here in 2019 with the more people being vegan and just caring about the planet just everything man it's just i feel like their music is such a message that was so before its time and so powerful you know and you got to be part of all that, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I love that part of it. You know, when I think about our click and what we were into at that time and how so many of us are still of the same mindset. Yeah. I mean, and our, and now our children are taking up that mantle and all, yes. the, all the, all the people in between since then. And, you know, you mm-hmm. think about like when I, the amount of, health food stores there were in new york you know there was probably four or five you know what i mean at that time and being a vegetarian was pretty radical you know to my you know peers that i went to high school with and now you know people know what veganism is people think about the environment you have to deal with these issues and um i find it uh i find it really cool to 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 know that you know uh, me and my friends were a part an early part of that of that turning, you know, yeah. and, um, and not that we, inv- you know, and, and, and I hope that that trend continues to, to, uh, as I feel it will, and it, it will have to. Yeah. I mean, just imagine like the no more video coming out now. People have been, people would probably be so psyched on it, you know, like, holy shit. Like, cause people, it's, it's such a normal thing now to talk about not eating animals and, and this TV commercials and this stuff at every fast food spot. It's just, I feel so yeah. honored to even be inspired by you guys to become a vegetarian 88, still live like that because of this moment in time or being part of the scene that was so special, but so underground and so like scary to, to people looking on it from the outside. I think we're a bunch of weirdos, but we actually, that's when I talk about people like 
I liked punk rock, Sex Pistols, never mind the Bullocks. That was cool. I didn't understand what the Bullock was, or I could skate to it. But then, <laughs> but then, but then we find hardcore minor threat in seven seconds, and these bands are like, "This isn't about fuck your parents and fuck the world. This is like let's fix the world. Let's do this, make it better." And and that's that's how I try to say that punk and hardcore differentiates from each other. And I feel like Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, fuck all the, so many of those bands. It was such a positive impact, man, on so many, including myself as a 40-year-old man in my everyday life, being a father, being a husband. It's just the impact of something, like you said, you're just doing something with your friends. You're just making an album with your friends and writing songs together. It just, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing, man. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, like our, our path, we discovered some, some cool bands that had like an ideology. Yeah. And, um, and for young people, you know, Young people, I don't know, when, when you're a teenager, you know what I mean? You're, there's all kinds of different ideologies that you could buy into. The main ideology is probably, you know, be, be bad, get, get, do bad stuff and, and just kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of just get in trouble. You know, I guess, yeah. I don't know, that's what I was around. Yeah. And so um, uh, the hardcore, probably the appeal to me of hardcore probably had something to do with, you know, some sort of early set of nihilism and yeah. wanting to be like in suburbia or yes. people, man, but you know, but I would, my personality doesn't really sustain that, mm-hmm. that attitude. So yeah. the fact that there was a band like minor threat that was more thoughtful and, and as you know, discovering like seven seconds or yeah. you said today, you know, that's just, that's just really cool. You know? Yeah. And I was talking to Brussel about too, I thought was really punk is that, like you, you guys weren't like part of like the leather jackets and the spikes, like you were saying, in the boots. I think it was more punk and more ballsy to walk into CBGBs wearing a fucking varsity jacket and having like a clean cut haircut and some some like yeah. Nikes on or something. To me, like for them back then, who 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 were these jocks or who you know back then looking at you, but looking at it from now. Is like that's super punk and ballsy, even more punk to rock that shit at a hardcore show. You know, it's, 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 yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting twist, you know, because uh, I mean, I had my my leather jacket time too, but yeah. it's just like I, I couldn't, I didn't really rock it that well, I think, really, <laughs> when it's all said and done. Yeah. And, um, and when I, what appealed to me is that, uh, you know, the youth today kind of like Boston kind of athletic look, like I was not a, jock by any stretch you know what i mean like i was into playing guitar i was not into that kind of idea but but the idea of um taking this sort of suburban look and putting it into um into cbgb's whatever this like hardcore thing i mean also hardcore kids were just like dressing basically in jeans and a t-shirt yeah and 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 sneakers anyway but Mm. i guess you know kind of got more codified but um totally you know with, with you know where you would be like oh damn he's got air revolutions you know what i mean people are like <laughs> yeah. and also like the crossover of hip-hop too you know where totally. people are like fetishizing a bit yes on like the details of the of the look you know yeah. but that's how it's, it's also a musical thing too so you know any sort of music fashion connection component is is uh i think helpful to spreading the gospel in a way 100 percent. did you did you feel did you guys catch a lot of shit back then for just being for how we dress and just being straight edge kids, uh, whatever. Yeah. Like, no, I guess just people didn't know what the hell to make of, of <laughs> at high school. People, people thought I was punk cause yeah. I would have like, you know, shaved head or, yeah. but then I would dress like sort of some, somebody from Connecticut, which is, 
they just kind of couldn't put their finger on what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I love that. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I kind of thought that was cool at the time, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it had, it just said that it had a, a look, you know, but uh, I don't think, I think there was some sort of like a bit of a, of a, of a rub on, you know, being straight edge versus being, you know, like on the kind of Murphy's law tip of, of the scene. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I don't know. It didn't affect me too much. I think it was probably more between the, the kind of people that represented those viewpoints. Yeah. More like, you know, Jimmy and Murphy's Law was like more yeah. like the old school, like kind of chaotic, like really just different level kind of shit, you know, that yeah. I was kind of too young to experience. Yeah. And then, you know, you have Rhea today coming in and kind of like gentrifying the scene in a kind of way. Of course, it's going to be totally. like uh, a, a, a kind of there's going to be some, some friction there, but yeah. it, it never ended up in like violence, just maybe like shit talking. Yeah, totally. I remember, um, I was going to ask you like, if you ever were, were going to be Krishna conscious any part, but I don't think you and youth of today, you and youth of today before that all happened, I think. Cause that was more like, uh, like well, Ray it, was into Krishna conscious. We were on tour, had a like, um, you know, the, the, oh gosh, what is it called? The, uh, you know, the Krishna, the, the tail, there's actually a name for the haircut. Oh, but anyway, okay. uh, but I, I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but he was full blown Krishna monk. Like that's what he wanted you today to kind of get, he was trying to share, you know, just like the, this is just how Ray is. Ray totally. gets into something. He thinks it's awesome. He wants to get people into it. That's, yeah. He wants to share. He wants to like, that, that's his MO. So he was trying to get us into it, but it just was, Krishna consciousness was not, uh, was just not for me. I, I wasn't yeah. really interested in it. I, I did see the good in it. I saw yeah. the, 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 the positive aspects of it. And so I wasn't like in conflict with it, yeah. but, um, it just wasn't for me. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, that just, it just kind of, you know, it was part of Ray's path, which he, you know, to this day is, it's, it's still involved with Christian consciousness and, and Purcell, the other the guitar player in youth today is also part of it, totally. but it just never stuck with me besides just, you know, kind yeah. of appreciating the philosophy of, of, you know, vegetarianism, yeah. uh, nonviolence, uh, yeah. you know, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. I remember cause I worked at, um, at Marco Siega, he had that studio. Where you guys would rehearse. You guys rehearsed there, and you said today. I remember the first time being. Huh. I remember the first time being there when uh, Ray got back from India, and he was like doing yoga and like handstands in the rehearsal spot. I was like, "Holy yeah. shit, super, super yeah. intense!" But like, yeah, he jumps in with both feet. Yeah, you know, and and he he's a you know person like I, I I don't know if you've spoken to him, but he's that's just his thing. He yeah, find something and he wants to spread the word. That's his. That's what he his his. M.O. Is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he got me into vegetarianism and, yeah. uh, among other things. And, you know, so always, always grateful to him. hundred percent. Um, so obviously after, after GB was Moondog, but, um, that was something that like when, when that was, was that one of the last shows you think GB played was at that live on NYC one? Like the last time we Secret Biscuits was 91, uh, 91 maybe. I think we had one maybe last show at the Marquee, but I think it was just really kind of disjointed from our other shows. And, uh, uh, but you know, we were still popular. So yeah, play the Marquee, that was a cool, that was a cool show. That was a crazy I, I show. Remember? Already, 
Wasn't that the crazy? Yeah, it was, I think someone got stabbed. Yeah, it was man, kind of like that was crazy. Something that I thought, okay, maybe this is a good time to get out of the <laughs> yeah, scene. It's totally. just, it seems like it's really taking a turn. I think our timing might be right uh, here. Uh, yeah, and uh, Moon Dog kind of came out of um, the the tape that I had made for Gorilla Biscuits. Ah, uh, to, to you know, because I was writing the lyrics and 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 yeah. was so intense with that and. Um, that I thought, you know, well, I could also just sing it myself in some other form. So, you know, uh, Luke and I uh, just really over the course of a couple rehearsals went in and recorded with Don Fury and, uh, you know, it made like six or seven songs of which I sang on probably only four of them and the tape was never released officially, but, wow. you know, it kind of got out and people were really uh, psyched for what we were doing because, I, you know, I felt pretty safe to to experiment at that point yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With, with, you know, to break the formula and that, yeah. that's what I wanted to do. So, but you know, there were still the, the kind of underpinnings of, of, you know, Gorilla Biscuits and Youth Today and all that kind of stuff in it, but it was just more off kilter. And it, so that was kind of the beginning of me singing in the band yeah. and, uh, and, and led to, led to quicksand. I mean, how was that first recording your own stuff? Was it, was it nerve wracking? I mean, you sang, was, obviously you sang before, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's the beauty of no one caring about what you're doing. It's yeah. like when, when people are like all psyched up, okay, it's over, you can't wait to hear the next H2O record. Mm -hmm. You might be like, fuck, I hope this thing's good. Exactly. But if no one cares about your band, then you can just do any dumb stuff you want because <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. So I, I kind of had that attitude about it. And, uh, and you know, but also I was I had had been doing a lot of cool stuff and had gotten better at, at, uh, yeah. at music, you know? So yeah, it kind of came together. People really dug it. And, uh, so I, I started to get more confidence in, in singing and what I was doing with music. Yeah. I mean, you've been writing songs for so long. And so it just, I think obviously it made sense to like do your own thing. I don't know. I just, how long, how long was Moondog around before the quicksand? Uh, it kind of one blurred kind of into the other. Yeah, probably Moondog maybe played like once or twice. We played CBs once, and we had a sick lineup. Armand from Sick Metal played oh, drums. Who was pretty? Who was pretty much my dream drummer, uh, at, at, especially at that time. Yeah, and uh, Luke Luke Abbey, who had played on the recording, played bass. So he was really psyched to do something different. Yeah, uh, Howie from In a Crowd. Uh, yeah, yeah. In a Crowd played. Uh, guitar and uh, Tom Capone uh, who would end eventually be in quicksand played uh, guitar and he was like my dream guitar player so I, I was lucky enough to assemble this it's fucking awesome dream band but I don't think I, the, the show at CBS I think I blew my voice out within a song and a half oh damn. And the rest of it was just like <laughs> but, uh, but it was fun <laughs> you know I think the spirit was there the spirit was there yeah but shit then then quicksand which is Game changer. I feel like that's a game changer for. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they want to call that post, whatever it's called. But I, I, I call it just quicksand. Like it's just when that shit came out. Like I don't know, man. We. Uh, I mean, what was? I don't know. To be to be making that rec, making making the first seven inch it was the first seven inch EP. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know. Just. I mean, I. I, don't, I just that, that record and and that band just had a massive impact on so many people and it just just the timing was perfect too man just everything about it. and the shows you guys were getting with the diverse bills and all that was just like i remember seeing you guys open up for so many different different bands man at so many different places in new york like 
I don't know. Just I think everybody loved quicksand. You know, like I don't know. How do you feel? I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. Like I wanted to um, to just do to. You know, looking at a band like Fugazi, you Fuck know, yeah. they're like kind of the, you know, we were like the freshmen, they were the seniors, you yes. know, like they were doing something that was, you know, they were flirting with reggae, with dissonance on the guitars, yes. with like uh, certain kinds of, uh, the, the lyrics were more artful, poetic and, and open to interpretation. Yes. And uh, as I was, you know, had, had been kind of playing this, you know, very you know hardcore formula is tight and i like totally, it that way totally. to be honest you know what i mean like yeah. if you fall out of the pat out of the game you know if you're not playing by the rules in some ways like you're not hardcore anymore and that's the that's the danger of it it's true and, uh, and i think maybe at, at that time i wanted to uh play outside of the rules and see what came out and to be have an opportunity to to you know to to play with different bands that maybe don't know who agnostic front is or, and don't yeah. care you know yeah, what i mean totally. and, and see what that's like yeah, you know? and so uh, quicksand I, again. Like I, I think I had the the benefit of no one really uh, expecting or caring about it, what mm -hmm. I was doing. So uh, when it did come, people didn't have any preconceptions about what it was, or or if they did, that then it was surprising to them. It so was, that, that's really kind of the co the yeah. coolest thing that you can you know when when you play a record. You know, I can only think of like Fugazi when it. You know, I, I knew Embrace, but when I put on that Fugazi record and Waiting Room came on, it Dude. was like amazing in a way that I did not expect it to be. Yes. You know, it was like a new new kind of thing. And, yes. um, you know, so that was the kind of effect that I, I w would have hoped. And, you know, to some people, I think it had that effect. 100% because people knew you from Gorilla Biscuits and all the other bands you've been in, but not, but not singing. I don't know, man, just... Yeah, so when they came out, what was the initial reaction when it first came out? Was it also uh, oh, was it were, any pushback from the hardcore kids, or was it more just like a whole different? It's a whole different genre, you know. I maybe some people would have, but I didn't. I, I was whatever whoever didn't like it was. Uh, I, I was getting really awesome praise from you know from my immediate my immediate friends. Yes, you know my immediate friends who who you know your friends your friends are great, but they're going to be the first ones to make fun of your stupid band. So, 100%. I mean, my, friends, my friends were all sweating my new band. So I was like, okay, well, my friends think it's cool. Yeah. Then, I'm, then I'm probably all right. You know, if people outside and then, you know, it wasn't like the, the internet existed that day either, where I could go through message boards exactly. and find out who thinks I'm a jerk and why. So mm -hmm. it was just like, you hear, you hear from the people that, that know you and maybe you would read in a fanzine something. If you, if you, wanted to but that was like snail mail so it was already too late by the time that happened so uh you know i felt positive i mean definitely it was and then when we played i had confidence i didn't i didn't care you know what i mean i, yeah. I believed in what we were doing and uh didn't really see much risk in you know committing to to that that moment such a sick lineup too alan cage is a beast man like just oh dude he's man. insane he's like on such a and you know, working with uh, with Sergio, who's yeah. from a different part of, of the scene, yep. and Tom, who who had this metal background, you know, and and me, you know, for, from where I was coming from, yeah, you know, I also on a, on a purely musical level, you know, when with Gorilla Biscuits, just like me and Siv started the band because we we're friends and because we were hanging out, we yep. said, yeah, that would be fun, let's do that. Yep. But on quicksand level, it was more of like 
I want to play music with these dudes and I'm like a musician and yes. I'm, uh, you know, I want to do something different that's going to be interesting musically. And I picked, you know, good people and, um, Push yourself. and, and we, we gelled, yeah. we gelled, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. It must be different. So that, like playing with, playing with your friends for that many years and going to a whole different group with different people in it for sure. Cause there's like that chemistry, but it really, it worked in quicksand also, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was just yeah. I mean, we have we have our chemistry was based more on music, yes, and our friendships yeah. evolved, yeah. You know, so like that that was something. You know, I mean, we lived with Alan, yeah, that's knew closet. Alan, yeah, man. But, but you lived in his closet, so you knew him <laughs> from a different angle, from a different height level. <laughs> but uh, oh, but uh, but you know more from knee height but anyway exactly. uh, but it, it was like our our friendship was like you know we played shows together but our friendship once we got in the band you know i don't know i guess it's just basically saying the same thing it's like it was more from a musical standpoint yeah totally that we were together which was awesome and hey my friend just came home i'm at this uh at my friend's house and a beautiful dog with two different color eyes what kind What's of dog is it bowie oh right she's so beautiful bowie that's um, awesome yeah, oh my gosh, she's just gorgeous. But anyway, I'm doing an interview with my friend, a podcast. Hi, hi, doggy. Friend, uh, in California. Very good. Hi. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> All right, well, I'll keep her out of your home. Yeah, no, I like better. This It's good. She's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, this is a great dog. But anyway, um, if you um, want to edit that out anyway. No, that's, uh, that's all but, good. Uh, but, Alan Cage. Yeah, so musically, yeah. Uh, you know, Alan Cage, is he's the bomb, dude. He's like a hardcore John Bonham. There's just no one's got <laughs> touch like him. It's totally true. Um, you know, so yeah, quick, yeah, so quicksand, and then the first record, and just, I just feel like everything was just building and building for quicksand. It was just, and you pushed yourself. You, you became, you like, it's just another another level. I feel like songwriting for you, and then singing. It was a whole different world for you, and I think you you just crushed it. And um, it was a whole different side of you, oh, and, your, you. and your, your musicianship and everything. I, th I feel like, and being around those other musicians you were playing with, I feel like it was just a different playing field i don't know i mean you probably feel that way also because you had you know it was just a different energy yeah you know, know? it was wide open it was yeah. wide open at that point you know like from being in, in the cb scene at at the time that i got into it to where you know people are getting stabbed at our shows yeah. like um yeah was was like one kind of experience and then you know we were just going out into into where there weren't those rules or those kind of assured yeah tricks you know we, we yeah. so we was sort of a sense is a sense of freedom and i and i think i was definitely inspired by you know what fugazi were doing what jane's addiction were doing oh, yeah. you know these kind of uh, anomaly kind of bands that were just like in their own lane and i wanted our band to be in its own lane you know and i love that and that's the current theme of you as a person just being open-minded with music you grew up with and then just music you listen to during the whole time you're playing hardcore. We listen to this other types of music, and I think that's yeah, that's an amazing way to live and be. And then because of that, you've been in all types of, of of groups. You started, you know what I mean? Like it's just so diverse. Yeah, it's good for the I'm, mind. I'm, I'm the mind. always, I love it. Yeah, I think it's like cross training. You know what I mean? You gotta, you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and and it, it helps your. Uh, I mean, it's just different experiences, and and I'm, I'm kind of one that is. Um, I, I like that. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I also appreciate people that kind of have their, their thing and they stick with it and just roll with that and try to reinterpret True. that. Like I dig, I dig that as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm just too restless somehow. 
Yeah, you like to push yourself and change shit up. I, I like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, then, thank you. And then you guys signed to Island Records. I think that that was the label you guys were on, right? Yes. Yeah. Initially, we we're on Polydor, uh, but yeah, we were on. We were ultimately on Island. I feel uh, like I yeah, f- it was crazy. Nirvana happened. Oh, know? that's right. Same time. That's right. Holy so you know when shit. when Nirvana happened, it was just it just changed everything. You know, so we we were a band that had. I mean, this is going to sound insane now, but the way that record sales are, um, you know, how low they are now, but we had sold maybe 10,000 of our seven inch. Damn. And so we were on people's radar. You yeah. Know what I mean, and that wasn't even, you know, I guess that was pretty good. Actually, yeah. No it's pretty what, fun. Actually, yeah. That's really that's good. pretty cool. For seven. So, right, right, I, I, should, awesome. I shouldn't be like, uh, that was like a humble brag. Actually. No, it's really that good. It's <laughs> but we were doing good. So, uh, you know, but we weren't getting like offers that like whatever Soundgarden were getting, but people were curious. We were younger, you know what I mean? Totally. So, uh, but you know, but the, the thing was, is that, um, people at the major labels needed to find these new bands because yeah. the, the stuff that they were selling was totally just not cool anymore. Like all the, you know, hair metal, you know, no yep. disrespect. I know people love hair metal. It was never my thing, but those bands were no longer the cool shit. It just like happened overnight that that was uncool. Mm-hmm. So we were all of a sudden in a different category. And uh, so that was another trip, you know, going from like, you know, the independent like yeah. Revelation Records to, uh, you know, and Youth Today was on Caroline Records, right. which was kind of like a, a in-betweener kind of major label. Like, you know, would be, you could be judged as a sellout by being on Caroline yeah. probably for sure. Um, but, you know, the real deal major label, full-blown sellout, that was just, not anything I anticipated yeah. or saw. I did not see that coming. And, yeah. you know, I struggled with it, actually. Oh, shit. Did you get, you um, know? yeah, with, I mean, I still saw, like, tons of, like, core kids at Quicksand shows. I feel like, I feel like the kids, the hardcore scene loved Quicksand. Like, obviously, because she had some great breakdowns also, but just in yeah. general, I th- feel like people really accepted it. I've se- Every time I went to a show, I see just people from the scene that, that love Quicksand. I just, I think, yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think people, we got a pass. Yeah. I think we got a pass. Yeah, it's, for, uh, you know, I, you know, it was like you at that time. If you signed to a major label or did anything like like that, people would just totally crush you, yeah, and ostracize you, and you would just be, you would be screwed. But you know, we just maybe because it was the time that it was in, but yeah, uh, you know, we we also didn't make a record that was pandering to anybody. We made the record that we would have made anyway. Yeah, and I think that that honesty maybe came through. Hundred percent, and then like I think. uh wasn't doesn't wasn't Phaser got some play too right on MTV and stuff? Yeah, we got we got some play and we sold we sold pretty good. I yeah. mean, we, we didn't have like wasn't we didn't become the next Nirvana as they yeah. liked us to, but <laughs> but we did great and we you know we we uh, it, it was it was really a kind of an amazing experience to go from you know sleeping in squats like a year before yeah. To, like, you know, riding around in a tour bus, like, and having that ability to just do that all year round and being on MTV and all this kind of stuff and just being known by people that, again, like, had no idea who Agnostic Front is, Yeah, you know? And then, and then through Quicksand, finding out who Agnostic Front is or finding out what, you know, like, we were out there on the same kind of quest that I think, uh, you know, that we started on with, you know, I mean, for me, it was, you know, with, with grilled biscuits and youth today and yeah. like just trying to spread the idea of this kind of music that sparks in New York, you yeah. know, somehow. I don't, I don't know why. 
I just totally, I just totally spaced on the fact that you are, you are not, we're not, we're not in this alone on Youth of Today record. You're on that record. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, yeah. obviously, break down the walls and can't close my eyes. Those are incredible. But something about that record with the No More, just all the songs on there, and like when it came out, just the timing and the energy, and I think, I think there was a, was there a long time, was there a long time between Break Down the Walls and that record? Do you know? Just seemed like it was uh, like, it's again hard for me to really judge yeah. time, you know. Uh, at then, you know, it's like well, it was probably you know within two years. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would guess, and uh, and you know that was awesome. You know, it was really cool to be in Youth Today. For I mean, they, they to me they were, you know, of course you had. I keep going back to AF, but you know, AF had almost like gone off to like do other things like outside Cro- of New York. They wouldn't play that much crossover too. You know, yeah, and they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, they were crossing over. They were playing to like different audiences, yeah. and you know they were trying to get they were trying to become a more popular band on their path. Hundred percent. They weren't around as much, and um, you know the Chromax would play infrequently. Yeah. But to me, uh, you so Youth Today was the most accessible and kind of exciting new thing, and then I got to be in the band, and so, so to crazy, me, I was man. like in my favorite band, and now you know I get we got when we go in on Caroline Records you know they gave us an advance of uh, again this, this is like a humble brag but we got like $17,000 I mean I was Damn. like 16, 17 years old yeah. at that time each and, and it's like what? no not each you gave me uh, <laughs> your mind uh, we, had, we had to record the record and uh, I think when it boiled down to it I got $2,000 that I was allocated to spend on musical equipment. Yeah. So I got to go to um to 48th Street and I just spent $2,000 on totally whack ass like Arsenio <laughs> Hall bass equipment just because it was expensive. <laughs> and I just wanted to spend all my money because I oh. wouldn't have got it otherwise. Oh, shit. But that was cool, man. Yeah. You toured Europe. That was nuts. Yeah. I was in Europe playing, uh, you know, playing hardcore music and, and sleeping man. in squats and, and, Someone else paid my way there. That was yeah, mind blowing to me. So just those two records alone, man, we're in this alone and fucking start today. It's insane, Walter. It's fucking two main uh, main know. staples in like hardcore history. That it's just two really impactful records. It's pretty awesome, man. Like the timing. And I love everything. that it. Uh, I I love. I it was amazing at the time, and it, it, it is really magical to me that it, that they still. Uh, resonate and and people still connect to it and yeah uh, you just you just can't you can't plan that that's just like a real blessing fuck yeah and so back back to quicksand but i feel like you were signed on the records for like 10 years i feel like everything you i was did, it was crazy i was it was amazing they loved me <laughs> they did uh, i mean the, the quicksand obviously was the reason we got signed yeah but, uh you know ultimately when the band uh we broke up, you know, we had toured so much yeah. and, uh, you know, between the two albums we made, we just barely stopped touring and we, it just became, uh, I don't know I think we we're going crazy, you know, at, at least I was. And, uh, you know, we probably should have just taken a break, but we were just, again, coming from this kind of yeah. like all or, all or nothing kind of attitude yeah. of, of that. I think hardcore or, you know, I, I don't know why it, that's what I thought you had to do. You either have to do it a hundred percent or it's, and so it's just like, okay, if we're not going to do it, then we, then it's broken up. And it was just maybe more dramatic than it needed to be. Yeah. But, uh, but at any rate, when that happened, the record label still wanted to make a record with me. So, um, 
you know, I continued there and uh, started rival schools. That's right. And uh, so that was a whole other adventure for me. Totally. And, um, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, that's a really well you know, too. Musically, yeah, we, we had a great, great uh, run, especially in Europe and the UK. That was really the most kind of exposure, you know, like, yeah, I remember that Sam was on, Sam was like on MTV or like on, uh, you know, 120 minutes and, and, uh, headbangers ball and things like that, which was cool. Yeah. We were like in, in the running or whatever in the mix, so to speak. But when rival schools came out, like in England, it was like, we were just like for real popular. Like people, I, I wouldn't know who was going to come up to me in the street because just, it was, you know, sort of a feeling of, uh, you know, you're just in the, more in the pop world. Yeah. Somehow. And yeah, I had, crazy. I had never, I had never experienced that. And, uh, so I had, that was a fun ride. I mean, in the States, it was, it was also great, but it was yeah. more kind of similar to, uh, what had been, you know, quicksand kind of fan base and thrown in with some younger people that had kind of come up into it. But, um, but yeah, it was amazing. And, and it was di very different kinds of, of, you know, again, I was free to like do different things and I was working yeah. with different people that, that were, were creative in their own way. Our chemistry was our chemistry. So we were again, musically doing different things and, you know, as, as an experience of being in a band, it was, it was different. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I guess just continuing, continuing the idea of just like growing as a, as a musician and keeping it interesting as far as, as it being an experience. Yeah. We, we, were you not listed on the Civ album? Is that true or not? Oh, the Civ album. Jesus Christ. Because, and because the Civ album, I did that. Yeah. I did that on the, uh, during quicksand days, uh, because that was actually me and Charlie were, uh, roommates, at the time we were just like, damn, you know, all this punk rock stuff is happening. <laughs> and you know, what the, the wave. hell dude, we're like, yeah. like we got to get in on this somehow. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we came up, you know, just like, let's, we got to get Siv out of retirement. You know, he's oh, the guy shit. to do it. And, um, so, you know, and Siv amazingly again was like, yeah, you guys want to do something on down. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was just a great group of people. And, uh, you know, and I just kind of brushed off my grill biscuit songwriting chops with yeah. more, but more openness to doing something poppy and fun. So the first song, the first two songs were um, Can't Wait One Minute More and um, Etu Brute, which yeah. I thought were the two kind of extremes of, of what it could be, you know, where Etu yeah. Brute is kind of like brutal, kind of like, you know, I was listening to Pantera at the time, so I had Holy shit. brutality. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, so I had a little bit of that in me, but I was also listening to Blur. Oh so I was shit! Thinking yeah. of, uh, of kind of pop and Adam and the Ants and and yeah. shit like that. So um, incredible, right? And then man. we made a, a video with who you mentioned before with Marco Siega. Marco yeah. came to me and said, "I have a, a great idea for a video." We all chipped in for the video, and that video uh, ended up you know, kind of just like being, uh, I gave it to my manager of quicksand at the time. And then he got us a record deal on Atlantic. And then within like whatever amount of time, like Siv was like on MTV, like, buzzworthy. Every, like five times a day. It was, fucking it, it, was amazing. it was fucking insane. And, dude. uh, Oh dude, we were full bin. It wasn't worthy. It was, it was bin. Oh, bin. So we were psyched. <laughs> yeah. It buzzworthy was is like the farm team. That's like the, uh, oh, shit. you know, Tiger, that's like the Staten Island Yankees. We were right there. 
It was. And, all, uh, I got to be in that video. I was wearing was a thong. I was, I was wearing a thong in that video, a leopard thong. That shit was so yeah, fun. Yeah, you were a star in it. Dude. Oh my god, you were the guy dude. that was down to go <laughs> to the whole. You were down to go the whole way. Oh and, shit! Uh, and Lou was so amazing. Yeah, and that, so dude. really captured that video. Really captured our whole clique in yeah. such a good way. Yes, and uh, and the record. You know, I still I I, I couldn't be credited on the record because of yeah. the kind of contractual stuff uh and and yeah. uh i was trying to avoid uh you know just certain legal perils uh because it was on a different record label yeah but you know it all sorted itself out and you know i i'm i'm, I'm just happy that it, it all everyone was like it all just came together it was just like an idea and yeah. it totally worked and Dude. uh and you know and then they they continued on and just kept doing stuff they made another record which you know, I think people sleep on a little bit, but yeah, I, I wasn't involved in 13, yeah. 13 day getaway, but, yeah. uh, but the first record, yeah. I mean, that was, that was, uh, that was real. That's a, that's one of my faves actually. There's some, some really great scenes on that. Me too. And it feels like it could have been like the second Gorilla Biscuits album to me personally. I really feel like that. Yeah. That was, the, that was, that was the kind of the concept of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I felt if we called it Gorilla Biscuits, it would, it kind of would meet some different kind of scrutiny. Yeah. Whereas if yeah. we made it Civ, then we could have the freedom to do Can't Wait Woman and More. We could have the freedom to do uh, this sort of poppier stuff or without having to like, you know, put the GB kind of uh, yeah. legacy sort of on the line. It was smart. I feel like um, Start Today is like, Start Today, Can't Wait Woman and More is the start today of that album. You know what I'm saying? Like this to kind of. Yeah, for sure. And, sure. and we had the same thing with my I was in another group called Hazen Street and Chad from Newfound Glory he wrote the songs and he was on the record but he couldn't be pictured on the record he couldn't have his name on uh-huh. the record because he was he was signed to Epic at the time or something too so we had the same thing happen um, couldn't have yeah, his, yeah, couldn't yeah, have yeah, the it was, album you know, yeah so that, that was kind of I mean I wasn't bummed about it I didn't really care I was just really wanted it to exist and was like thrilled that it came together so well yeah, I mean that timing for that coming out, and then all the warp tours and the shows, and just like yeah, dude, it was nuts. It was so it was insane. nuts. It was the time of uh, of you know creepers and sideburns. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> totally. you know what I mean. That's where it was at, and we were just on the pulse of it. So did, uh, did you play a lot of shows just, with them, or no? You played a lot of shows, or no? With them? Uh, I think I maybe played. I kind of because it was happening at the same time as Quicksand. That's I right. Kind of like maybe sat in with them a couple times for fun, yeah. but, uh, but, but not, not really. I didn't play with them. I also thought it was cool that it was like, that it was, it's, I didn't really want necessarily to be in another touring band at the yeah. same time that I was in quicksand. So I was happy that they didn't need me yeah. to do that. I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, your, <laughs> your journey up until then, it's just insane. Like just playing music and playing in bands and traveling and, um, just kind of winging it. Were you? Were you? Did you ever have a? Well, before I get to that, were you, were you working jobs in between any of the touring or not? Nah? Uh, no. I, I, my last job was uh, at Integral Yoga. I remember that spot. And I was living in. Yeah, I was living in probably yeah shortly after my next apartment in um, Long Island City. Yeah. Uh, when after we moved out of the house in Jackson Heights. Yeah. And then it's, once I got the record contract, I, I have, I've just been a, a pro ever since. That's incredible to me. amazing, dude. So how <laughs> yeah. you were 10, you were 10 years on Island or more? Uh, yeah, more or less. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, but it was, a, it was a solid run. 
Yeah, because you've been <laughs> living like people, that's crazy. I, Go ahead. You know, people would be like, um, I remember one day, like Ireland got their major company got uh, bought out by some other major company, and they dropped like Tricky or like all these people. Oh, and yeah. I was like, what? And then I didn't get dropped somehow. And I was like, oh, what? It was shit. like, uh, it was insane. <laughs> and it was really just. It definitely wasn't based on record sales. It was based on relationships and, and yeah. that the people there. Loved you. You know, that they, yeah. And that was just like, it was an early sign of like, well, you know, it's important. The thing that, that my, my value is maybe that I, that I, I, I do consistent, you know, yeah. whatever I do, I'm, it has a certain quality or consistency that people respect, <clears throat> can respect and get behind. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I get these opportunities, which is, it's, you it's know, a, something again. I think I learned from hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's it says, like, but it says a lot about your person too, and who you are, and how you treat people, and just you as a person. That that says a lot, especially so. especially with a I fucking so. major label, because they don't give a fuck about anybody. They're just like to next person, next person. You know, like. That's I a, mean, it's tough. It's it, it's tough. It's a tough business. You know what I mean? And, but there's definitely you know within that world, I'm sure you know yes. plenty of people that are mad cool that love music, True. and that's. Like we're cool, we get to be in like in a band and run around on stage or whatever it is that we do. Yeah, and that's an amazing component about it. But there needs to be people that just love the music and are promoting it on your behalf and yeah. making sure things arrive when they're supposed to. And then there's the kind of people up above you that you know that are like maybe on some you meet them once in a while at some sort of thing, and you know they're looking at numbers and yeah. you know they're maybe not going to be as, as sympathetic or. Uh, you know, or it's not even anything personal. It's just like, you're not selling records. We're not giving you a half a million yeah. dollars. Peace. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, which, which is like, okay, I could, I could take it personally or, or whatever, but you know, that's just part of the game, you know? And, uh, I think nowadays it's probably like evened out, you know what I mean? It's like the people that are at record labels really have to love it because it's not like, sure. it's not cushy yeah. like it once was. Totally. And, uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're the people in bands are in some way have some more power, but we also have to like work together more and, and be more hands on because it's not like this giant uh, structure that's just like you know burning money for you all the time. I know. So which, you, you know, a lot of the time it was like that. But you, you, but you made your way all through all that stuff and through that label and other things and like you've been doing what uh -huh. you you're doing what you love your whole life. It's pretty amazing, man. It's really fucking awesome. I. I, I I don't know how that I'm just really grateful. It really, it's, it's awesome. And, and I, uh, I think about it, you know, often. And I, and if I'm ever like in some sort of pissy mood, yeah, I might just refer, I might refer back to that thought and just be like, you get to do what you love and what I you're know, good at. Dude. And that is pretty cool. So it's I, I, I <laughs> appreciate it like crazy. Did you ever have a, did you ever have a plan B or like want to quit? Um, well, you know, my plan B's are usually like different kinds of music that I want to make, <laughs> yeah. but there's no, like, you know, if I think about it, I would love to have something that I don't have to do that much that gives me money, True. but <laughs> that's about, <laughs> that's about <laughs> as far as I've, I know. I've thought it through, you know, I like coffee. I think that could be cool to have a coffee <laughs> shop, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do it that much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm in bars a lot. It'd be cool to own a bar, but. I don't, not really that into doing it or, yeah. you know, restaurant. I, I don't, like, I don't have any, you know, I have interests, but not like, um, enough to make but it, as far as like, yeah, 
Yeah, so as far as what I'm doing, like with music, like this, this is what I enjoy the most. And I think it's like the, the community of people that I know and, you know, I've known you for like since we were teenagers. It's crazy, And, dude. and uh, you know, like that to me being plugged into that and like knowing, you know, letting my story develop and, and being part of this larger story with, you know, yeah. with, with my friends and my peers and, and also people that I'm that are just coming up, you know, yeah. like I, I really, that's the, that's, I, I feel like my, my, my greatest uh, joy comes from that. Yeah. You ever people, you ever like do ghostwriting for people or? Uh, really not so much. I mean, I've written a couple things here or there, but yeah. I, even to be honest, like that's something like you should be writing for this person, that person, like um, I'm too interested in my own stuff and my own yeah. stuff. And if I have, if I have free time, I just kind of want to have free time. So yeah, luckily I haven't, I haven't had to, um, spend, I, I things have worked out for me. Yeah. Really good so far. So yeah. that, that, I, I'm just going with it. That, that, that's how it'll be. So we got world's fastest car and that was up next, right? Yeah. World's fastest car was kind of like the working title for my new band on, uh, that was going to be on Island Yeah, to, uh, you know, do this solo contract. But that, that was just, you know, some of the songs ended up being in rival schools. Yeah. Um, but I guess I had some personnel and I felt like I should change the name of the band because, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. I probably didn't have a good reason, but I just, (laughs) it basically was (laughs) me just probably like trying to, you know, re, um, you know, sometimes you want to, uh, just readjust your your perspective on something. Yeah. So World Fastest Car was kind of a step on the way to rival schools, you know. And I guess yeah. each thing is just kind of a step on the way to the next. In a way. Yeah. Are you, are you perfectionist? Um. Damn. You know. If you let me be, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's just like it's it's like if you give me time in the studio you know i'll just want to keep pushing until i think yeah. it's as the best that it can be yeah but i think as, as age has has kind of you know an experience uh i don't sweat it as hard mm-hmm. but I, I you know i think it's natural that you want to do your best work you know because it's from doing your best work that you build a reputation where you have the best chance. and if, if you do your best work and people don't dig it you know you did your best work yeah so, yeah but, being a perfectionist, I think you can kill a vibe. So I, I try to, I try to be a little bit looser. I mean, like how how long do you remember how long it took to do the Start Today record? Like how many how many guys in the studio for? Uh, I couldn't. I know for the time, like we spent, you know, for the era of whatever kind of recording we were yeah. doing, we definitely, you know, we we did the vocals twice. Yeah. So you know, true. it was it was pretty serious. Yeah. And we recorded at um at Chungking. Yeah. Once, like we tracked the whole record at Chunking and scrapped it. So yeah. you know, I think the whole thing probably cost like five grand or six grand, Damn. maybe probably like paying paying twenty dollars an hour or twenty five dollars yeah. an hour. But for the time, like that was a good amount of money for a record. That's gotta be like the biggest selling record of Revelation, I would think, or one of them for sure. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's the biggest one. I mean, unless unless something else happened that I don't know about. Yeah, I think it's pretty. It's safe to say that. Um, oh yeah, then we yeah. got then we got walking concert. Yeah, walking concert was when I uh, rival schools had kind of like run its course, and I wanted to do something more sixties ish, nice. like uh, more and more about lyrics and um, 
and just kind of experimenting with uh, like way more pop yeah. sounds. But I, I, I probably, that. I probably, I would have wanted to call it a solo album, but I kind of lost my nerve, and so that's oh. why I called it "Walking Walking Concert." Okay. Um, I just thought it would be too. Uh, my name's too difficult to pronounce. I thought just having a name for the band would yeah. be easier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's essentially a, a stab at it. It's basically a solo album. I mean, obviously, you know, I had an amazing bass player, Ryan Stratton is an incredible bass player. And, uh, yeah. Chris Daly played drums on oh, nice. it. He's a phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal awesome. drummer. He played on, uh, for jets to Brazil and yeah. a number of other great bands. And, uh, and, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Johnson. I had great people to work with. Totally. But, uh, you know, the songs were all, I could play all the songs on acoustic guitar, which I think was the first time I'd ever done that. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the Dead Heavens after that. Well, Dead Heavens, there's just so many to, to kind of get through, but Dead Heavens is a, um, is me and Drew from, uh, from, uh, he was in Bold, Bold and, and me and Drew, yeah. you know, me and Drew, uh, and he was into another yeah and, you know he's been one of my oldest and dearest friends from back in the day totally. and uh you know we've always get along musically and uh so we formed wanted to make a band that was kind of like 60s uh garage but more from a uh, kind of proto rock vibe so yeah it's got kind of this little steppenwolf sort awesome. of like uh darkness to it and so yeah. that, that's uh what came to that and um so yeah, that we did a lot of touring over the last few years. We're kind of taking a break right now because we had just worked for a while. But um, but yeah, that's that kind of got me back into my rock vibe. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> which allowed me to get back into quicksand. You know, just like yeah, being, that's awesome. Being open to being heavy. Yeah, you know, which is uh, I, for a while I didn't really want to make heavy music. You know, I just didn't really feel like hitting those kind of chords. But uh. But Dead Heavens definitely is, has inspired vanishing life too. Is, yeah. is, is another another side of it where yeah, I wanted to like be aggressive in in my vocals again, and yeah, you know, it's just it's kind of hard to find that energy if if you don't if you don't exercise. Yeah, so you know, yeah. kind of between those two things, I kind of rediscovered some of that. What was it? Well, so that's pretty much what inspired you to do quicksand again, play heavier stuff, and. It got me in shape to do it. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, it's like you know, like you see a lot of bands kind of come back, and God bless the people. Like they've lived their lives in that time, and they're totally different people. And, totally. You know, and I'm I'm a you know, of course, like there's so much about me that's the same. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm also a totally different person as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to reconnect with some of those, with some of that kind of like energy and. Yeah. uh but I had to do it in a way that fit me now. You know, I can't just get up there and scream my head off, you know, <laughs> totally. as, as, as a, as an act, you know, yeah. it's too exhausting. Yeah. So I had to figure out a way to do it that felt natural to me. And, uh, you know, I think through dead heavens on, on my guitar playing, especially. Yeah. And, uh, and vanishing life with my vocals. I think between those two, uh, bands, like it got me in shape to do quicksand, you know, yeah. which is, is where I'm playing more guitar and also obviously the vocals, you know, if you, if it's going to make sense with yeah. the old records, there has to have that element of, uh, you know, that, that kind of, uh, sort of an aggression or, you know, which I think is there. Totally. And, is there, yeah. uh, but, but it doesn't feel, you know, I don't feel fake doing it. It's no. not like, 
me, me trying to dress in my old clothes that don't fit me anymore. Exactly, you know? but I feel like that the the last quicksand record totally captured quicksand. It was almost like it was like that record was there frozen in time, and then you just released it now or something. I don't know. I think it was, and then seeing you guys live too, like it, people were excited, man. Like that must have felt good to come back and have the reaction like you did, you know? Ah, it's great, man. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, it's like all, all to be able to reinterpret it and to, yeah. Uh, to create new music and have it be accepted, I, I look at that as like a very uh, it's an accomplishment that I'm very proud of because I think it's rare that a band can do that. You know, it's, totally. it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So, um, also, also, you're you're, you're a father. So you've been a father for a long time. Yes. Um, yes, eleven years now. It's amazing, man. Um, do you feel like a lot of the stuff that you learn from being just like a punk rock hardcore kid, whatever those values that, that you that you still have those values and you instill them in your kids and being a father. I think you mentioned that earlier, but like you take that stuff with you, obviously a lot of the positive things. I think things she kind of maybe, maybe picks up on the way that I am. And you know, if there's some sort of general value kind of questions, but I'm not yeah. one to, I'm not really trying, like my daughter's a vegetarian, but it wasn't something like that. I told her to do yeah, me or either. anything like that. Yeah. She, and so she just kind of, I am, but she kind of figured out on her own. That's that, awesome, dude. You know, I think a lot of, I think kids are pretty, you know, not everybody's kids is going to see it that way, but I think kids naturally want to sing, naturally want to dance, naturally want to love animals. Yeah, and 100%. Once they make the kid, once they make the connection yes. that I didn't, when I was a kid, I was eating a hamburger. I didn't know that I was a cow. I thought Me it was either. a hamburger. Me too. I <laughs> you know? totally, 100%. You know, but I think the, the kids that make that connection and also kids now, uh, at least in New York, um, are very aware of what's going on with the planet and what, uh, what a, a heavy slog it's going to be for them. Yeah. If they don't, you know, that, you know, our, sadly, like our generation, especially the generation above us is, has too much stake in, in the system as it stands. But, mm -hmm. you know, our kids are not going to have that luxury. They're going to have to deal with the wreckage. And oh, uh, no, man. I think that the, the, the education system, you know, not, not uniformly, but in, in New York city, at least in where my daughter's been going, they're very, yeah. uh, you know, you know, some people might say brainwashing the kids, but it's mm. actually just, you know, my daughter's school is called, uh, Brooklyn Arbor and it's about trees and about ecology and wow. you know I, I think that that's, awesome. that's just like it, it, it's not going to hurt anything yeah <laughs> you know yeah that's Kids amazing recycling becoming vegetarianism Dude. That's, that's not going to hurt anybody no so uh, it's, it's beautiful yeah that's amazing Um, did you feel like you you had to hustle harder when you became a, when you became a dad or just get you know because you've been doing music your whole life and just did, was that a little nerve wracking at first or yeah, I mean, it totally. Yeah. My, when I when I had my daughter, my life was totally cool. It was on my own terms. I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. Wake up when I wanted. Totally. Stay out as late as I wanted. <laughs> you know, generally, I had no, no, there, you know, no rules. No parents, no rules. <laughs> and then once you have uh, a kid, it's that whole that gig is up. Yeah, you know, man. You got to. You, you. It's just, and and it's uh, especially at first when you know a newborn. That's a lot. Totally. You know, they, there's nothing that can really prepare you for it. No, you just man. Gotta, you just gotta, you gotta dig deep and find, uh, find all your power to, 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 uh, yeah. you know, stay awake, sleep when you can. Totally. And, um, 
and be patient, be kind yep. to your to your partner, yes. and work as a team, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Until you're in it, you just you just don't know. I know because people think when you have a kid, like your life's going to change forever. But in reality, you know, your kids can adapt to your lifestyle as well, and you can make it. Oh, yeah. you can make it work. You know. Oh, kids! As long as there there's like love and support and and like patterns, and, the kids don't they, they don't they don't question the things that adults get neurotic about. Yeah, I agree. I mean? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like so, that transformation at, at the hospital, like. You with your wife or your girlfriend, and then in, the, in those next twenty four hours, all of a sudden you see like your girl's like maternal instincts kick in. All of a sudden she becomes a mom, and then she's breastfeeding, and then you're holding the baby. It's fucking so surreal and emotional. Like those first twenty four hours are just so hard to explain. It's incredible, and, and <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, you know, it was just nuts. And then there's just there's just no turning back. It's just that's it. That's it. <laughs> so you know what I mean. You can complain about it. You you can you know be amazed by it, but it's happening either yeah. way. You know, and and, and it's a, and you have to. And I don't think that it never ends. You know, like you. It doesn't. That, dude. That's how it will always be. You know, yeah. even though she's she makes her lunch in the morning, and I don't. There's so many things that I don't have to do for yeah. her. Um, and, and it's amazing to me that she has such independence and autonomy, uh, yeah. but it never changes the fact that, that I, I am, that she's always in my thoughts and things that I'm doing. I'm always considering like, how can I make her life, you know, the best that it, it can be. And, yeah. and that connection never, never ends w- with a parent. I know. You know man, I mean, it's... or, or whole, you know, I'm sure that, you know, there's obviously shitty parents that don't get it but yeah. maybe they just they had shitty parents and they didn't they didn't they never had anyone to show them but you know yeah. I'm, I'm with with the information that i got and the experience that i have you know totally. I'm, I'm i i it's as high as is the priority as i've got yeah do you have any do you have any daily rituals besides coffee uh daily rituals i'm i'm pretty yeah big up on coffee in the morning <laughs> uh i like uh raspberries always in the morning nice um, interesting croissant. yeah um and that's that i like to read the newspaper yeah which is probably something i should stop doing but uh at least you, you read know, newspapers that's awesome not like the internet yeah yeah you know trying to see what's up and, yeah. and get some sort of uh general uh idea of stuff because the world's um, crazy now for sure yes it's so crazy and you can just get in the k-hole of just Dude. like yes you know of 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 uh you know, because it can just be. There's so much negativity, and, so much, uh, and there's so much, so much division in in our in our world. And, yes. and the, obviously, the newspapers make money off of that. And you know, everyone's opinion is skewed one way or the other. To it's just it's such. I'm so. It's it's uh, it can just be so disturbing if, it you, is. if you give so much of your mind. So let's just be thankful today that Facebook and Instagram. Are down. <laughs> give us a, a respite because it's hard like one freaking day because i don't like to live in my pma bubble where i don't look i don't check out what's happening in the world because i know we have a fucked up president crazy shit's happening but sometimes it's hard to like get down that rabbit hole on the internet you just start looking at stuff and you just get so dark and it's just like it's so hard but i want to be in touch with what's happening but it's just it's just hard to balance man you know it's really hard yeah i think the saddest thing about it is that you that you know so much People are so um, entrenched in their positions, yeah. you know, and because people feel like, and it's true, you know, like people's way of life is under such threat, you know, I mean, people is. are just like in this fight or flight kind of idea of, 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 of 
how things ha- how urgent the situation yeah. is. Yeah. You know, for for people on 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 you know whatever you know that that there's these two sides within the country. Know, if you want to do it in a simplistic way, yes. it's like people are loving, people are cool and kind, and uh, from all different perspectives. And you know, like CBGBs was like. Obviously, like I, I'm sure I did not see politically eye to eye with you know a good majority of the people at CBGBs, but we could hang together 100%. and we could have a good time good point. and we could build relationships. Yeah, and we could, you know, but by the basis of that trust in those relationships, you can come to you know whatever. And it just seems like nowadays people are just so pissed. And as soon as you like identify, I mean, I know you're big up in in in, in in, in veganism or about yeah. the environment. And as soon as you pr- even say something like that Dude. to someone, they're threatened by it and they read so all threatened. different things into it. <laughs> yes. And, and, and it, and it works both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like someone could say like, Hey, listen, I have this opinion about that. And you could, you could just be like, you're evil, you're racist, you're this. And then that's, yeah. it just, the site, the cycle continues. It's, it's, you super, know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, I, it's, it's super, it's super hard when like, Especially on social media, if you want to post something on your personal page that you're passionate about, I'll put something about animals that I'm really, really passionate about, and then people just fucking flip and like, oh, I, I, I like your band, but I'm not a vegan. Blah blah blah. I'm like, cool, but this is my page, and I'm just, I'm putting something up that like, I'm really compassionate about. It's just hard because sometimes I feel like myself personally, I'm too sensitive for the internet because I do let shit get to me easy. <laughs> but I am trying to speak my like, I don't know, promote positivity stuff. But sometimes people just like, it's just hard sometimes, man. Well, I think big picture, you know, you, we need, you know, it's a, a very admirable thing, you know, because yeah. I think that's the, to me, that's the problem. You know, we all got people in our family that see things differently, have different points of view. Yeah. But it's just like nowadays, just things are just so terribly, you know, people are just re- like are ready to like everyone's got their friggin' back to the wall, and it's yes. just it, yeah, and it's just so yeah. nutty. And yeah. um, so I, I read the newspaper to some you know that's one half sometimes i want to break but yeah it's a, but it's also <laughs> so good. the sad thing is also could be so goddamn entertaining you know yeah I mean? it's, I it, know. it's because it's become this soap opera that you want to know what the next fucking crazy thing that's going to happen is i know you know and uh it's just nutty but anyway uh it, it's uh it's more about the raspberries and and uh, I love know, the I like raspberries. Yeah, those are really good for you too. And, uh, you know, that's really good for you, so right? They're so good for you. Yeah, I went to. I had it's, to. I, go ahead. I, yeah, I I found out that they, I was like I found out how good they are for you, and I'm like, so oh my good. god, I already love them. This is great. They're good for like I had like a crazy knot in my back, and I went to see this like guy like this chiropractor not a chiropractor she out to do and he's telling me eat only like black beans and blackberries are really good for your joints and all this. I knew nothing about that, man. It's crazy. It's cool. I mean, they're just, they're delicious and I, I just get into them. So, you know, that's, that's a good place. I was going to ask yeah. you about if you're optimistic or pessimistic, but I'm pretty sure you're optimistic. I can I already know that. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I think it just comes, you know, I, I'm just generally optimistic. I'm one that will take, uh, whatever the situation is yeah. and I try to, sort it out to where I can do so. Okay. I can't control that. That might happen, but I can't really think about that because True. I have to look at the way out and, yeah. and, you know, positive, you know, PMA. I love that you, you and some other people and have yeah. made that brain song into this kind of 
kind of broad philosophical point. Yeah. But uh, I just find it as functionally helpful to, to be like, because I, you know, any, like anybody, I could dwell on like, this situation is fucked. I'm, I'm really, this is going to hurt me. Yeah. X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then, you know, two days later, you realize that it never mattered. And the, and the, and all the energy you spent That's true. in this fantasy world of, of that future outcome. Yeah. Never came to pass. Yeah. And, and, and so as a, as a method of functioning in, especially, you know, in our business and, yes. in, uh, but you know, probably like in anybody's life, just like, okay, dude, don't sweat the small stuff. Let's, yeah. It, it, it's hard sometimes. Picture. It's really hard sometimes. It's a struggle every day. It to, yeah, it's a struggle for sure. I mean, like it's, especially when you're in it, sometimes when you're in it so much, it's hard to like look at yourself from the outside perspective. What, what's really going on or what, how good your life, or just whatever. It's just hard sometimes to get, to get Absolutely. down. You know, Absolutely. Like, We're emotional, you know, creatures and, uh, you know, and we, and we all want to, you know, we want things to be cool, yeah. And and and, and you're going to be presented on every day, yeah, with different kind of situations that are going to bolster you. Like, oh, so and so called me. Oh, wow, that's so nice. I feel good about that. And yeah. then, oh, this this bill came in, or that <laughs> yeah. person's mad at you, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, you have to deal with these like ups and downs on a daily yeah. basis. And like, how do you, you know, depending on how your your chemistry is and like how yeah. you're built. It's true. You know, it, it is important to be objective and, and to, and to uh, build a system to cope. Yeah. I was talking, to, I, I had Kevin Seconds on the other day. We're talking about how we feel like me and him are too, we're too emotional for hardcore and we're too sensitive at sometimes. This when they first started out, yeah. just different things going through. Just like you're trying to do good shit and there's so much negativity around, but you can push through it. And um, obviously it worked for seven seconds. It's been around for a long time, pushing that awesome message. Um, all right, my last yeah, two, there's no, I, no question. Last two things, because an open letter to the scene is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs. And every time I listen to that song, I forget I was with, I get, I I think I text you every time I listen to it. I get super emo listening to it. Um, Yeah. It's so, it's just, it's such a great song. It's one of my favorite songs, I would say. I mean, obviously, Uh, I love all the stuff you've written, but that song itself, I mean, obviously, I know it inspired it, but it just just seems like it just came out. Like, when, when, when did you release that? When did that come out? Uh, gosh, I think it's now like probably 10 years ago. I got to make a new solo album, but, yeah. uh, but I had it, I had it for walking concert, just the music and yeah. I just, and I had the idea for it, but it took a while for it to all fall into place. And, uh, you know, it's like a heavy, uh, it's a heavy kind of thought, but I wanted to make it, you know, I don't know. It's just like there's this experiences that really imprint on your mind yeah. and you can write about them. Yeah. And, and some, some of them. Sometimes you're writing a song and you don't really know what it's about until you're finished with it. You're yeah. like, oh damn. Yeah. And and uh that one just was such such a an experience that um you know, and also just that I knew I wanted to kind of talk to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that you know, we're into we're into different stuff and we're all, you know, yeah apart and in and, and, and different places living our lives, but like that song like was a call to my friends that knew what I was talking about yeah. but at the same time that it could relate to anybody. I mean, you in Warzone too, so you know, you know, you're close to Ray and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Fuck. I mean, man. I wasn't as close to him as as like you know some other people because I was yeah. in his band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was. I looked up to him. Yeah. You know, which is like a a different kind of dynamic mm-hmm. than than uh, you know 
but it, it he was an important dude, you know, like whatever. It's just like he he was iconic. Yeah, like when he know? passed, and, it was like uh, it was like our it was like our Elvis dying. Like when he passed, it's like the first yeah, person. Yeah, it was like Elvis died. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's like it's like it's like our first person from the scene, like who died. Yeah, like yeah, he cool. was. Yeah, he was, and uh, and, and he was. Uh, you know, it's just weird to see. So anyway, I, yeah, I I. I, I the most the coolest thing that I got to do with that song was uh, when Todd Youth passed away. No, this oh, was before man. Todd passed away. Okay, this was the benefit for Rabies. Okay, but uh, Todd, and this is the last time I saw Todd. Oh shit! You know, Todd uh, introduced me to come on stage at uh, Tompkins Square for that's uh, for this uh, Rabies. Omar, oh, that's right. Uh, that's uh, right. Thing at uh, at Tompkins Square Park, and I did that song. And as <sighs> I was playing the song, I realized like this is the absolute perfect audience for the song, and people who knew it were like psyched, but the people that didn't know it, I could just feel everyone just going, whoa, Damn. This, is, this is it. You know what I mean? You, when you do That's a song awesome. and you, and you really know that you're connecting. Yeah. It just, it was an, it was a really incredible experience. And that was the last time I saw Todd, which was, uh, wow. you know, Todd was, uh, the guitar player in Warzone. Yeah, and, man. uh, Murphy's you know, and I knew him from CBGB's days too. Yeah. So that was really, uh, I, I was really, when Todd passed, I was really happy that we had had that, that experience too because it was mm-hmm. cool, you know. That's beautiful, yeah. He, he just, uh, yeah, it was a very special moment. Is that, is, I could probably find that online somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's on. I'm sure it's up there. And then the final thing is you, you produced Title Fights record, which I love those kids so much, and they're such hardcore, oh, yeah. they're such hardcore historians and hardcore enthusiasts. And was so excited to have Revelation logo on their shirt. I remember talking about it. They just they're like yeah. the, they're like the young kids who like really love and respect the old school. And I think it was so cool when you end up producing the record. Um, I heard you like slept to the floor or something, slept at the crib with them while you did it, or. It was super DIY oh, style. I stayed at uh, I stayed at I stayed at the Russians' house in nice. Pennsylvania for nice. to do uh, doing some pre production with them. Dope. Um, and uh, where did we stay? Oh, I think we. Um, I'm trying to think of where we stayed. Oh yeah, we were staying in Philly, and I stayed at this uh, at a at a, a friend of Title Fight's uh, house. Dope. And That's awesome. uh, it was just cool. You know, it, it's amazing that you know, and at that time it was it was very interesting that all the YOT stuff and all, all this kind of mm-hmm. revelation stuff was, was obviously like continuing to inspire people that weren't yes. even alive when it, when it came out. Yes. And so that's just dope. And that, that just, you know, is a sign of like that. It's a, uh, it's a real thing. Yeah, for sure. Those kids are super awesome. I love that band. I love those kids. And I love, this, yeah. I love how much they know about the history and, I remember them. I remember like yeah. talking about talking about. Yeah, I think Ultimate Pusa record. I, mean, I don't know where I was. We played shows with them or something because we took them to Japan a long time ago when they first uh-huh. came out. And um, yeah, I thought that was a good that was a good deal. Like you guys working together, you know, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Uh, we had a great we, we had a great time, and you know, still still great friends. I, lo- I love those guys. Um, I think I'm pretty. We're pretty much pretty much covered a lot of things on here. We covered pretty much your whole life for people God listening. Damn, Walter, Walter Shrivers, you can Google Walter Shrivers and get his whole discography. But um. Holy shit, dude! It's been almost two two hours here. This is amazing. <laughs> but also, like, I want to thank you for taking me when I first moved to New York. I met all you guys, and you know, all different stayed all all around Queens. Ended up at the GB house, and um, got to sing on the start today. Got to live in the closet. We had fun times together, bleaching our hair, all that crazy shit. I remember Chain of Strength stayed at our crib once. Um, yep. And just like I don't know, I lived in the closet. I don't know why I did that, but I'm glad I did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, uh, Toby. Do you remember me, Stephen? Such Nicholas? a good time, <laughs> and uh, you were just such you're the same same wonderful guy. Thank you, man. You know now it's just uh, amazing, and and the fact that uh, you know what what you've done with your music, and and uh, that we're, we're still traveling together. Yeah, you know man. What I mean, in this uh, in this in this world. Uh, is is really a we're very, wonderful thing. Yeah, we're so very lucky. Great, you, great talking with you. And you look great for your age. You look wonderful. I feel like this music keeps us young, keeps us looking young. Our lifestyles that we've got inspired by this yep. music. It's it's crazy how everybody's aging so well. And I don't know. It's just yep. we're very lucky. I think it's because we're, we're happy and we get to do what we love and play music. Uh, maybe if we worked a job with a boss that we hated and we hated our job and sat in a cubicle all day. No disrespect to people yeah. that do that, but some people just no, do that. Because, dude, we're okay. lucky. We're lucky that we get to do 11. I think that keeps us young, man. I think that keeps us positive and, you know, we have beautiful families and we get to travel and I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm honored to call you my friend and, and you did a lot for me. And like I said, you and Tim Armstrong are my top two favorite songwriters. And um, I'm honored to like be part of that chapter in New York, live with you guys. And it inspired me incredibly my whole entire life. Like it, from what I learned from you guys, I instill in my, my family. I speak at schools about it all because of, Everything just being around you guys at that time and that moment. I was just some dude from Maryland who went there and definitely got some tough love, a lot of ball breaking. Not from you guys, but that's another chapter. Just that New York tough love, like <laughs> find the weakest point about yeah. you and poke at it and poke at it, but then have you back in a second. Yes. It's that New York ball breaking shit that I don't think it's in any other it scene. Is. It's crazy, man. Um, it's pretty It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> so I got a lot of that tough love and it's probably still to this day get it when I see the old guys. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate what you've done and you inspire me like you fucking just took a chance and just did music and continue to do that and it's uh it's pretty awesome Walter I agree Toby I agree 100% man same even it's, you, uh, it's magic dude you've inspired a lot of people and changed a lot of people's lives whether you know it or not big inspiration to a lot of people and I think that's what keeps you real and humble because you don't think about yourself like that and that's that's that says a lot about you as a person and uh yeah, man, thank you for your time, and I'm psyched to see you guys a couple weeks out here. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah, Toby. Great great talking to you, man, and uh, and, and great luck uh, with, with the podcast. I know you're going to be talking to some really cool people. I'll be tuning in. Yeah, and this is your life, Walter Schreifels. Everybody's listening. This is his life with <laughs> Walter Schreifels. <laughs> right on. Thank you. All for right, it. if you can handle it. <laughs> thank you so much. I know, I know you've told that story before, but for the listeners, some people might know, not know your story, but I love hearing it because it's inspiring, and I appreciate your time, bud. All good. Take care, Toby. Love you, man. See you soon. Bye, bud. Bye. Take care. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.